Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Hello and welcome to World Weekly. I'm Gideon Rachman. With Greece in political limbo ahead of a general election on June the 17th and huge questions over the country's continued membership of the euro, this week we're discussing the economic and political future of both Greece and the European Union. What's the most likely election result in Greece? How feasible is it for the country to leave the eurozone? And what are other European nations doing to counter the escalating anti-bailout mood in Athens? Joining me on the line from Athens is the FT's correspondent there, Karen Hope. And here with me in the studio is Chris Giles, the FT's economics editor, and Tony Barber, the FT's Europe editor. Karen, can I start with you? Just give us a sense of, of what the mood is in Greece amongst the political class and amongst ordinary citizens. Are, are people in a panic? Are they defiant? How, how are they approaching this month now ahead of the, the next elections? There's no sense of panic, though people are taking some money out of the banks um, just in case. The politicians are desperate if they're a pro-euro politician and cocky if they're an anti-bailout politician because they've been um, increasing their support in the polls and and did well in the first election. People are pretty frustrated, feeling very broke. Summer's coming, that's good, but the mood is pretty grim. You say that the uh, the anti-bailout politicians and the Syriza party, which is the one that's getting all the headlines and seems to be ahead in the polls, that they are cocky. But do they really know what might hit them if they actually win? Do they believe that their programme of rejecting the bailout but somehow staying in the euro really is realistic? They say so. They are riding a wave. The economic people are on television saying frightening things or things that are frightening to business, like um, we're going to charge you a 1% turnover tax, whether you make profits or losses. We may be thinking about um, taxing the shipping community. Um, which has never happened before. So they're pushing their line very hard. It's unlikely that they would form a government, um, but they probably will come first in the election, according to the polls that they are at the moment. And is there a risk that, to put it bluntly, Greece may descend into chaos before we even get to the poll on the June the 17th? You alluded to people taking money out of the bank. Some are portraying this as a, the beginnings of a full-scale bank run. It's not looking like a bank run at the moment, and it's probably not going to become one because it's calmed down since the early days of the week. We've got a government now. The election campaign is getting underway. People can take their money out. There's no cap on withdrawals, but they have to order the cash in advance. And the bankers are saying the situation's quite manageable. The campaign will be like a Greek election campaign. Um, lots of rallies, lots of arguments, lots of debates. That will probably be orderly. There's no sense that any of the parties wants to um, push it too far. Right. And Tony, so a mood of, of calm in Greece, or if not calm, of not, not of panic, and, and also of cockiness on the part of the anti-bailout parties, seen from the rest of Europe, how are the authorities in Brussels, Berlin, Paris, how are they looking at what's going on in Greece? They are concerned because whereas in the first couple of months of this year it seemed as if the 
uh, European policymakers had bought themselves some time to deal with the crisis in the monetary union as a result of unorthodox uh, measures by the European Central Bank and uh, the installation of a reformist government in Italy and so on. But that sense of having bought time is now disappearing because quite apart from the turbulent events in Greece, one also sees immense strain on the banking system in Spain, uh, as reflected in the rise in uh, government bond yields this week uh, for Spanish bonds. And one also sees the potential fallout in, for example, Cyprus from the uh, crisis in Greece, not to mention the fact that there is now a newly elected French president, François Hollande, who needs to build a, a, a working relationship with Chancellor Merkel in Germany very rapidly. So the European authorities as a whole see fires that need to be put out in several different parts of the Eurozone, and uh, they are determined, I think, to hold the line uh, on Greece because, apart from anything else, they know that uh, any attempted renegotiation of Greece's bailout terms would be firmly resisted by the non-European members uh, of the IMF. So, so Tony, let's then jump forward in a month, let's say, look at the likeliest uh, outcome in Greece. You get a government dominated by parties that say, actually, we're not going to stick to the terms of the memorandum with the IMF and the Commission. What do the Europeans do then? Do they actually pull the plug on Greece and say, OK, no more money? And then what happens? I doubt that they would do that straight away. Uh, if, if they were to contemplate Greece's departure from the Eurozone, it would be essential to strengthen the uh, wall around the remaining 16 members of the Eurozone, and that, that hasn't been done yet. So I, I wouldn't uh, expect an instant uh, letting go of Greece after June the 17th. I think they would, they would want to get themselves a little bit more time to, as I say, erect a stronger firewall around the rest of the monetary, and particularly Spain, I think, uh, is important. Okay, well, Chris, I mean, there, there, there are lots of uh, assumptions and guesswork embedded in a lot of our discussions. The one I'd like to explore with you is this assumption that I come across a lot, which is that if Greece defaults or refuses to go along with the memorandum, then it's out of the euro. Um, now, Syriza say that's not the case. Uh, what's your view on it? Well, I think it would depend very largely on what the European Central Bank actually decided to do. You can't kick a country out of the Euros, so Syriza is in one sense correct. But if the European Central Bank refused to finance Greek banks, and if they've defaulted, the European Central Bank is going to be a big loser because they own a lot of Greek government debt. Uh, so you could see that the European Central Bank could take a pretty tough line and would refuse to finance the Greek Central Bank, then the Greek banking system does collapse. The Greek banking system is actually temporarily insolvent as it is, so unless they get the next disbursement which is there to capitalise the Greek banking system, it could fall over. OK, if the Greek banking system collapses, does that then mean... Greece is out of the euro. Why? Did, what's the next step in the causation? Okay. So, Greek, if the Greek, let's just let's just say that happened. The Greek banking system collapses, cash points shut. There is a proper run on Greek banks. People try and get their money out and can't. Well, the Greek economy implodes 
at that point. You can't run an economy without a banking system. The only way to get money circulating again is essentially to leave the euro. So the most likely Greek exit stories come through the banking system. Karen, in Athens, do people realise that that's what could happen within months? Um, the Greeks have got so used to hearing warnings of every kind from um, European central bankers, from Brussels and Berlin, that they now shrug them off. They seem to feel that nobody gets thrown out of the Eurozone, um, that if they went, the contagion effect would be disastrous. And so they're sure that somehow the foreigners are going to bail them out, as they have done in the past. The, the contagion effect, which, which Karen uh, refers to, obviously is a big question. Chris, what's your feeling on contagion? Clearly, as Tony said, people are going to try and build big firewalls. They're going to try and isolate Greece if, we, if it gets to it. Do you think it'll work? The only way it can work, the current firewall, which is not even in place yet, the European Stability Mechanism, which is going to be in place in July, so a little bit too late if this happens earlier on its own is not enough because it's just another sort of lending programme. Countries have to go there, sign memorandums of understanding, all of that. So if we got to a crisis, then you would have to get into new territory. And the only way I could see a the contagion sort of fighting mechanism works if if you do things which so far are not contemplated. So the European Central Bank and European governments would have to give unlimited guarantees on deposits of other countries' banking systems, just say we are socialising the whole banking system, essentially what they did in 2008 after Lehman's. Uh. You'd have to do that across the Eurozone. You'd have to say the ECB would take unlimited action to support the government bond markets of other countries. And almost certainly, as far as the EFSF the and the ESM, the two sort of fighting funds are concerned, you would want to say, have a political commitment that Spain, Portugal, Italy had done enough already in terms of austerity. So they pre-qualified to be able to borrow from those facilities, which in effect creates a euro bond, but de facto, uh, so that they can access bond markets in the period. You'd have to do all these really radical things. And if you did all of these really radical things, yeah, there's a chance that contagion could be limited. If you don't, then it could look really nasty. Ah. So, Tony, that then comes back down to a question of politics. If the German public, and I guess they're key to this, are confronted with being asked to do all these really radical things which will feel to them like, maybe correctly, Germany underwriting with their own money the whole of Europe, the whole of the European banking system, is it politically imaginable uh, or likely that they'll do it? There would certainly be uh, much resistance uh, from sections of the German public and uh, that would that would be reflected in the attitudes of, of some in the political establishment. I think, I think particularly in the uh, CSU party in Bavaria, which is, is part of the ruling coalition. On the other hand, this debate about what exactly is Germany prepared to do in the event of, of extreme crisis has gone on uh, for the last 12 to 18 months in in Germany. And broadly speaking, there is uh, a consensus among Chancellor Merkel's Christian Democrats and the opposition Social Democrats and Greens uh, that uh, Germany should be prepared to act uh, in the last resort in order to 
be the anchor that uh, keeps the eurozone together. Of course, that hasn't been costed, so to speak. So the risk that uh, when confronted with with an enormous bill, uh, it, it might not be possible to keep the public behind it is very high. However, I do think that uh, Germany has moved on from, let's say, the summer and autumn of 2010, when there was much more public criticism of the need to help uh, southern European countries. And finally, Karen, if I can come back to you in Athens, um, political mood and the interaction between politics and economics obviously crucial to, to everybody. And one of the things that people picked up on in the last Greek election and were shocked by was the emergence of radical new parties, the collapse of the centre. We've talked about Syriza, but what about even more extreme parties on the right? How seriously do you take the threat from a quasi-fascist party like Golden Dawn? Um, perhaps not a threat, but they're certainly part of life and they'll continue to be so. They will get into the next parliament. The problem is that there are a lot of run-down neighbourhoods in Athens where immigrants have moved in in a big way and where there are violent incidents and muggings of elderly people. And Golden Dawn has stepped in as a kind of um, grown-up Boy Scout group that looks after people, takes them to the bank to get their pension, um, walks them home late at night. And if you go around to the police station, the police will give you the Golden Dawn telephone number and say, those are the guys who can help. So they've really cashed in on that. On the other hand, their leader denied the Holocaust this week, and that was roundly condemned by the government spokesman and the other political parties. But they weren't allowed to participate in all the coalition-building negotiations. The president made sure of that. But yes, they're a force to be reckoned with, and they're not going to go away. Okay, Karen, well, on that uh, slightly less than cheering note, uh, thank you for a very interesting discussion to all of you. Thanks to Karen Hope in Athens, to Chris Giles and Tony Barber here in London. World Weekly is produced by Martin Staber. Till next week, if we're all still here, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.